0: Another night of adventures and love, sex, and dating. Tonight, you'll meet our three lucky bachelors vying for the chance to win a romantic date with our special bachelorette. Our bachelorette is backstage in a soundproof booth waiting for us to introduce our bachelors. So let's get to it. Bachelor number one is a fun-loving video game enthusiast who is currently between jobs. When he's not defeating Nazis on Medal of Honor, he enjoys re-watching Game of Thrones from the beginning and trolling people on the internet. Please welcome Jerry Juvenile. <laughs> Bachelor number two is a smart and thoughtful 20-something from around here. When he's not working for the government in some capacity, he enjoys reading and canceling plans he's made with friends. Please welcome Evan Evasive. Actor number three is a well-dressed and ambitious entrepreneur. He loves eating at five-star restaurants and under-tipping waiters because of their lack of knowledge on the wine selection. He has traveled the world to some extent and loves walking slowly near bodies of water while the sun is setting. Please welcome Gary Goddard. And now let's meet our bachelorette, a beautiful 28-year-old consultant living in the D.C. Mont- metropolitan area, but not actually from there. Susie enjoys watching Netflix, waiting for metro trains, playing with her dog, and eating kale. Help me welcome Susie Serendipity to Adventures of Love, Sex, and Dating. Susie, can you tell us a little about what you're looking for in a man? Sure, Linda. I guess I would say I'm just looking for my soulmate, just like every other girl. Just someone to complete me, just like in Disney movies. I'm a strong believer that love solves everything. Sounds great, Susie. Well, as you know, you'll get the chance to ask a series of questions to our three bachelors. And at the end of the round, you'll get to pick one for a romantic evening out. How does that sound? Fantastic. All right, then let's get started. All right, bachelor one, how would you deal with conflicts or bumps in the road of life?
1: Well, i will kind of do what uh, Super Mario does, and uh, probably step on his head and spit
0: a fireball at him. You know, and uh, if all else fails and I don't get to rescue the princess from Bowser, I'll probably just restart the system. Huh? Oh, so, uh, how's, that working out for you? so uh, how's that working out for you?
1: Well, I don't, actually know. I'm on a I don't show. actually know. I'm on
0: a dating show. So Bachelor 3, if I'm going through a tough time, how would you make things better? Girl, let me tell you what I do for you. I take you on an all-inclusive trip to the Bahamas. Four days, three nights, everything paid for. And don't worry, there will be no layovers on the way there because we don't do layovers around here. Um, I take you get a massage, go to the spa, spend a couple thousand dollars because money, money ain't a thing. Well, it looks like we have some competition. We'll take a short break and be right back.
1: All right, well, good morning, everybody. And welcome to the start of a new series today, which is called Real Talk, Adventures in Love, Sex, and Dating. And as you see, we're going to have some fun with this series because we are going to talk about a subject that every single one of us thinks about and is on our minds and on our hearts, which is relationships. Now, before I jump into this series, some people ask me, how do you decide what you're going to talk about here at The Well? Like, how do you come up with the topics? How do you figure out what it is you want to talk about? And I always say my goal in choosing topics is to be helpful. Like my goal is that you show up here on Sunday and you listen to something that will help you out on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday, like the real things that we really deal with. Well, that has never been more true about any topic than the topic we're going to talk about for the next five weeks because there's no area of life, there's no area of life that promises more as far as rewards But for most of us, the reality is far, far, far below the expectation of what it is that is promised to us in relationships, dating, marriage, and where we find ourselves in reality, which is a far ways away. And it's especially true for our single people here today, because never has the world been more confused about what dating and relationships are all about than today. So we are going to do a series, a 5 week series called Real Talk: Adventures in Love, Sex and Dating. Now again, before we jump into it, I wanted to kind of share some of the other names that were suggested for this series that we did not use because we have a very creative group of people, and these are just five of the names that we decided not to use for this series, but I thought you might enjoy hearing some of them because they're some kind of funny. We did not go with I Kiss Dating Hello. We did not go with, number two, on the market. Number three that we did not go with is swiping right. Which makes no sense to me, but apparently to our young people, that's very funny. Okay? And they just kept telling me, don't worry about what it means, don't worry about what it means. Number four was a very creative one, which I liked, but it just somehow didn't ring a bell with everyone else. Uh, the boy, the girl, the ring, and the bed. <laughs> the Boy, the Girl, the Ring, and the Bed. So I want to suggest that as the name of the series, because it really is all-inclusive of everything that we're talking about. I didn't like it as a series of the title, but I will use it as a series of one of the talks, because it was so good. And then last but not least, the number one that did not make it was Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> what we decided to call it is Real Talk. And the reason why we're calling it Real Talk is because what I hope that we begin today... And this applies, like Nadia said in the beginning, to our marriage as well as our singles. But I want to speak very, very specifically to our singles in a lot of different areas. I'm going to talk about like, the broad spectrum, but really to our singles. I want to talk very, very specifically in some areas. And I want to start a discussion together. And I don't want this just to be a me tell you, but I want this to be a back and forth. So one of the things we're going to do throughout the course of this series, which we've never really done before, but we'll kind of see how it goes, is you're going to have a chance to ask questions. And we are going to collect questions throughout the series, and then the very final week, the week six of the series, we'll have like a Q&A panel discussion where you will we'll collect all the questions submitted throughout the five weeks, and then we'll get together, and you'll get a chance to hear answers to those questions, not just from me, but from number one, even though she doesn't know this yet, my wife will be up here, and she'll get a chance to answer so you hear the other side, as well as maybe some other people that would fit some of the questions based on the questions that y'all would ask. You could submit questions, we got a myriad of different ways. For those people who want to stay kind of anonymous, we have index cards up here in the front, you'll see those every week. You're welcome to come just drop off question afterward and just kind of leave it in that bucket and we'll collect all those. Also on social media, follow us on Facebook and on Twitter and we'll send out a hashtag, I think it's, it's, real, t- hashtag RealTalkSTSA. You'll get a chance to submit questions and we'll collect all those together and answer them at the very end. Because we need to have a real talk, a real discussion about the most important area affecting most of our lives. All right? In my job. Where's the basis of this series coming from? In my job, as a priest, I talk to a lot of people. I should should say, let me say that better. A lot of people talk to me. And people who I never met, who I don't know nothing about, come to me, And basically pour their lives out in front of me, and pour their hearts out. Whether it be on email, whether people just pull me after church and just say, I need to talk to you. I've had people pull me in the middle of the street and just say, you're a priest, and then boom, and they start to unload. And when they unload, you hear sob stories, sob stories about these horrible situations they're in, and they're asking my guidance. And I'm telling you, nine out of ten times, and that's a conservative estimate. Nine out of 10 times, the subject matter is relationships. It's, I was dating this girl, and we thought we were gonna to be together forever, and we did this, we did that, and then her mother told her this, and now she's saying this, what do I do? Or, or a married person will come to me and say, we were married and everything was great for the first couple years, and then, then his mother moved next door to us, and then everything's fallen apart since then. Or, or someone will say, you know, I think this person's for me, but I also think this person's kind of me. So this guy's kind of nice, but this guy kind of works. Which one should I choose, Father Anthony? And you know what my honest answer is every time? My honest answer is, what's your name again? Like, who? <laughs> like, I don't even know you. I don't know you. I don't even know your name. You just, you just spilled your guts in front of me, and I don't know nothing about you. How in the world am I supposed to answer that question? After I find out their name and maybe a little bit more context. I do my best to answer, as much as I can. i can't be honest, I can't answer all the emails that I get of, of people just asking questions. I can't answer all people on Twitter. Like I can't answer all that stuff. But I do my best, especially when I'm in person. And there's something that I don't say, but I want to say. And I'm gonna say it to you because it's kind of anonymous right now. It's not really specific. There's something that my heart yearns to say in every one of these stories. Uh, the girl telling me that me and the guy did this and now he won't this. Or the guy saying that I did this and I went this way that I thought she would and I didn't. There's something I'm dying to say. And what I'm dying to say is this. Didn't anybody tell you? Didn't anybody teach you that? Like didn't you know that's how guys think? Like your mama never taught you that this is what happens when you treat a girl this way. Like, didn't anybody tell you that? Like there's a whole world that I think of common sense, which apparently isn't as common as you think it is. And I don't say that in a demeaning way or in a bad way, but I mean, there's a lot of misconceptions today about how relationships work, how dating works, how marriage works, and that's mostly a function of the society we live in and the examples that we see on TV, and many people out there never been taught anything about relationships other than A, what they see in their parents, which is most of the time not a good example, and B, even worse, what we see in TV and in movies. What do you see in TV and movies about every marriage relationship? It's always the same. She nags, he's a doofus. That's the way it always is. She talks too much, she's annoying, he's a doofus, he's incompetent, and the two people hate each other's guts. And the image that's portrayed to us of marriage is that marriage is one of those things, I've had people tell me this, single people tell me, like your view of marriage, Father Anthony, that's old-fashioned. That doesn't exist anymore. As if, and forgive me, for single people, forgive me for what I'm about to say. Okay, forgive me what I'm about to say. The irony here, and irony, I mean that, that's very light. I want to say stupidity here. The stupidity that we have here is that we have a generation of people, who don't believe that there can be such a thing as good marriage, who don't believe that marriage can really fulfill you, who don't believe that you can find true satisfaction in marriage. And all of them are single. So you got single people, never had a good relationship in their life, telling married people who are in a satisfying relationship, no, that's not how it works anymore. This is the people at the bottom of the mountain telling the people at the top of the mountain that you can't ever climb to the top of the mountain. And they really believe that. Because that's how cynical and how jaded our culture and our society has become towards this thing called marriage. A couple weeks ago, for those who were here, I spoke about what marriage is. And just for the sake of those who were here, I believe marriage is the best thing ever. I believe that marriage is the best thing ever. And I believe that marriage is something that should be honored and elevated by every single person, be they married or single. And that's not just my words. That's coming from the scriptures. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. A man who was not married, St. Paul, said this. He said, marriage... Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. I'm hoping in this series to change some of your minds about what you believe is possible in marriage, what you believe is possible for you in relationships, and I'm hoping that you'll see that there is a higher way and a more honorable way, and if you're willing, if you're willing to put in the work up front, then you can reach that same place at the top of the mountain. But if you're going to take the lazy route and you're going to say, I want to do things like everybody else, then you should not be surprised when you find yourself at the bottom of the mountain just like everybody else. But for those who are willing to do things God's way, there is a higher way and there is a higher call for marriage and marriage is an honorable among all. I say that marriage is the most fulfilling, most satisfying thing. And the irony of it is, is that right now I can speak very, very specifically about that because right now, I am a bachelor, so to speak, because my wife is out of town. And my wife, but I don't mean that in a negative. I mean, I'll show you how much I mean it. My wife is out of town. She's, uh, her and the kids are in Egypt. And they will be there for two weeks. I dropped them off on Thursday. It's been a little more than 48 hours. And I'm telling you, okay, I always joke, and I, you know, I'm not going to miss my wife, but this is going to be great, and i do whatever I want, and all that, all that stuff. I'm telling you what I've been telling people is that I am existing in life, but I'm not living, that's right. And she's going to watch this on the video and I will get many points for that. <laughs> she will watch this, okay? Because she knows I'm talking about marriage and dating. and She's just waiting for the recording to go up and she's watching everything, okay? She paid for the Wi-Fi, no tell, okay? <laughs> but honestly, I'm not, I'm not just saying that. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Is that I'm not saying that you cannot have a satisfying and fulfilling life as a single. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is that what marriage is meant to be and what it can be is so satisfying and so fulfilling that right now I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. And I'm telling you, I am existing and I am going through and I've never been more, operated more efficiently in my life than over the past 48 hours. So none of the lights are on, okay, like the house is spotless. I eat over the sink, like everything is extremely efficient. (laughs) But I'm telling you, I'm existing, but that ain't living. Living is something much higher. And that living is what I want for every one of you. That's why I'm doing this. Like, why am I doing this series? Because I care, legitimately care, and my heart really breaks for people who have access to the best thing in the world. And it's right in front of them. And they love this person. This person loves them. And it's right in front of them. And they just can't make it work. They just can't find satisfaction. They just can't find what their heart is yearning for. And I say it doesn't have to be that way not if we go back and do things God's way. So what this series is going to be, this series is kind of a smorgasbord of, didn't your mama ever tell you that? And didn't anybody teach you that? And it's going to be kind of a compilation of different advice about dating, about relationships, about how women work, about how men work, about how we're supposed to deal with each other. It's kind of a smorgasbord of all those things that I wish... That every person knew, and if we know, will make a difference in our relationships. And what I want you to see starting today is that having a good marriage begins way, way, way before the wedding day. Having a good marriage begins way before the wedding day ever comes along. And we're going to start that here together. So, with that said, who is this series for? Is this series for singles? Is this for married? It's for both. It's for people, number one, singles, in the dating phase of life, okay? And that applies to you even if, you know, you're not, haven't had a date in a long time, but you wish to, okay? If you're in that phase where you are, you know, pursuing marriage and ready to get married, this is for you. If you are married, especially the less married, the closer you are to marriage, the more it'll be applicable. It will be very, very much for you because you may discover an explanation to a lot of the stuff that's happening in marriage maybe came from the way we started things off. And you'll find a lot of things explained. Who is this series not for? Who will not enjoy this series? I'm not sure what the correct term is here, so forgive me if I use an improper term. The series is not for the casual dater, the sports dater, or as someone said recently, the serial dater. The person who just dates because they like to date. The person who just kind of likes the thrill of it or the enjoyment of it. And this could be male or female. The person who will never admit it, but they're not really ready to get married. They don't really want to get married. They just want to have some fun. And they just want to, you know, use her for some pleasure or use him to make me feel secure and emotional and affection and stuff like that. If that's your game and that's what you do, you're not going to enjoy this series because I might rat out some of your tricks in this here. But I'll tell you this. If that is you, And you say, you know, I'm not really ready for marriage. I'm just having fun. I'm just living life. I'll tell you this. I still encourage you to come to the series. You know why? Because I believe deep in my heart, that deep in your heart, one day you will yearn for something more. And at that point in time, when you look up and you say, hey, I want something deeper, then maybe you can pull out the notes here. And maybe you'll find this helpful, as I said earlier, because my goal, as I said in the beginning, is to help you find with the thing that your heart yearns for more than anything else, which is satisfaction in relationship, okay? That's my introduction, let's jump right in. Here's what we're gonna talk about here today. I'm going to start off, as I so often do, with a very profound statement, because I'm a very deep and profound person. And I'm going to say something right now that may not make sense at first, but it's kind of of going to kind of guide us through the rest of this series. And it centers around three ideas, which are very simple, but just so we're all on the same page. Past, present, and future. We all understand these terms. Today is July 2015. This is your present. July 2015 is the present. Whatever you do today is the present. Now there will come a point in time, let's say 10 years from now, July 2025, where what is currently your present will be your past. And that happens in your future. So the things that you're doing today is your present, one day in the future, your present will have become the past. Make sense? Watch this. Your present will soon become your past and will have a major impact on your future. That's deep stuff. Your present today, what you are doing today, in every aspect of life, specifically we're talking about relationships, the way you date today the way you relate to people of the opposite sex today, your present at some point in time will become your past and will impact the rest of your future. You see, single people, y'all are lucky. Single people, y'all are lucky because you get to know something that we, I'll be the first one to admit as a married person, we didn't know this stuff when we got married. We thought when we got married that marriage was a fresh start and that marriage was like the reset button. And no matter what happened before marriage, when we start marriage, that's why in the marriage, the bride wears white because it's a whole new start. And we thought that all that past stuff was just in the past and we make a new fresh start. And we didn't realize that our present would one day be our past and would follow us into our future. You see, I've come to the conclusion. I've come to the conclusion that there's no such thing as marriage problems. No such thing. Erase that from your vocabulary. There's no such thing as marriage problems. There's only single people problems and people get married. (laughs) I'm telling you the truth. What's a marriage problem? What problem does marriage present? You want the left side of the bed or the right side? You put your towel here, I put my towel here. You squeeze from the bottom of the toothpaste to the middle. Like Those are marriage problems, those are nothing. What are the real problems that we face in marriage? They're not marriage problems. They're problems that we had way before marriage and then we just got married to someone else who had the same problem or a different problem. And you take your single people problem that you had for years and she take her single people problems and then we get to mar- together and we get married, all of a sudden there's marriage problems. There ain't no marriage problems. There's problems that you had for years that followed you into marriage. And because you didn't deal with it before you got married, then you shouldn't be surprised when it pops up at the worst possible time after your marriage. For example, you're an impatient person. You are an impatient person. When you're single and you're impatient, it doesn't matter. You know why? Because if I get impatient with you, I just go away from you and I just talk to you. And then I get impatient with you and I'm done with you and I talk to you. And I don't really have to talk to anybody for very long because I'm an impatient person and she's of this and she's of that and then I'm an impatient person and I just kind of hide it that way. Marriage, puts you face to face. All of a sudden your impatience comes out. We have marriage problems. No, you're an impatient person. That's not a marriage problem. That's a you problem. She's controlling. Well, I got news for you that she, every single person who ever worked with her at work couldn't stand her and hated her guts and all of a sudden controlling in marriage, and it's a marriage problem. They didn't a marriage problem. That's a single people problem that followed you into marriage because you didn't realize that your past would soon be, I'm sorry, your present would one day be your past and would affect the rest of your future. You're thinking to yourself, how can anyone, this is what single people think, okay? Single people, because y'all are smarter than us married people, y'all think to yourselves, of course, like this is common sense. How how, how would anyone be so dumb? Like, how can anyone be so dumb and not see that his anger issues are not going to magically disappear when they get married? How could it be so dumb? Well, let me tell you how dumb we are, single people. Let me tell you how dumb we married people are. We dumb people, we married people, we believed this myth. And I know you single people, y'all are so smart, y'all don't believe this. But just humor me for the sake of the dumb married people in the room. Y'all have heard of the right person myth? The right person myth says this. This is our topic for today. It says that if I just marry the right person, everything will be all right. You've heard this before, right? You've thought this before, right? If I just marry the right person, everything will be all right. The problem is not that I'm impatient. The problem is I haven't found the right person yet. The problem is not that I nag and that I'm controlling. It's that I haven't met the right person yet. The problem isn't that I have a temper. It's that I haven't met the right person yet. But if I meet the right person, then I won't need to be patient because she will just be so kind and loving and she'll never push my buttons. I'll never need to practice patience. When I meet the right person, I'll never need to worry about submitting, be a wife who submits, because they'll never have a dumb idea. Even though it's in our DNA, it's meant to have dumb ideas all the time. The right person myth is what we all fell for, which says that if I just find the right person... Everything will be okay. Let me tell you this. Help me out here on this. Tell, tell me if y'all disagree with what I'm saying right here. You are looking for the right person. Okay, here you are, single person. You're looking for that right person. What's the right person looking for? The right person. So you're sitting here saying, when I meet the right person, all will work out. And the right person is thinking to himself, when I meet the right person, all things will work out. That's what everyone's thinking. How do people know when they're the right people? Like, how do you know? Like you're a single person today. You're looking for the right person. How do you know when it's the right person? Usually what we say, what we're looking for is chemistry. Chemistry. Y'all know what chemistry is, right? Or how someone described, it just clicks. Y'all know what chemistry is, right? Chemistry is, Ah, oh, we talk all night long. I don't want to talk to my friends. I don't want to talk to my mother. But when it comes to her, I can talk all night long. And when it comes to him, I think about him all the time. Can't keep my mind off him. And he can't keep his you-know-what off of me. And, and, <laughs> and we just have chemistry. We are, watch this one. Tell me if you've heard this one before. She's my soulmate. He's my soulmate. We were made for each other. Man, she's the peanut butter to my jelly. She's the yin to my yang, the mac to my cheese. Like, we were made for each other. Like we just belong together. And when we are together, everything feels right. Time just goes by. We don't think about anything. There's not a care in the world. Man, we have chemistry. We got everything. Let me tell you what else. Again, single people, you're gonna laugh at us, married people. You know how dumb we are as married people? You know what else we admit? What we thought before we got married? What we thought before we got married? We had such chemistry and we thought to ourselves, every one of us thought the same thing. No one has ever loved like this before, right? No one has ever loved, like, like they've never seen, the world, never seen love like this. Like my parents, my friends, like Romeo and Juliet come and take notes from how we love each other, okay? Like no couple has ever loved each other and had such chemistry as we had. And we actually believed that and convinced ourselves that there would never been a couple like us. And like I said, we skip work for each other. And we, we get rid of our friends, we hate our friends, who cares about we have each other, we have chemistry, it doesn't matter. And we don't know nothing about relationships. We only know about chemistry. And then because we have so much chemistry, we start to do things that only married people should do. And we start to have some physical intimacy. And we say, you know what? It's such chemistry. Everything fits with everything. And it just feels perfect. And it's magic. Everything is perfect. And even look, the physical side, the sexual side, look, it's perfect. I've never been anything like this before in my life. We have chemistry. And we are made for each other. And then people get married. And when they get married... They realize that as great as chemistry is, problems start to surface. And when there are problems in the beginning of marriage especially, they're usually not chemistry problems. What kind of problems are they? They're relationship problems but you didn't care about relationship because all you cared was about chemistry. So you didn't care about how to deal with your anger. You didn't care about how to speak to a woman and honor her. You didn't care about any of those relationship stuff because you had chemistry. So you based everything on chemistry. And now all of a sudden, you start to have relationship problems. All of a sudden you start to have communication problems. You start to have conflict problems. And what happens when there's problems in marriage? What starts to suffer now is the chemistry. The passion, no passion. The talk all night. I don't want to talk to her no more. That he's my soulmate. Became that he's the enemy. And I want to get rid of him. And the chemistry starts to suffer. Now, I know I'm overgeneralizing here. But just for the most part, generalities are generalities for a reason. Because they're generally right. Men and women, when we start to have chemistry problems in our marriage, especially at the beginning, we don't know what we're doing. How do men and women try to solve the problem? Let's start with the men. Men are easy. How do men solve a chemistry problem? Easy. Think we should have more sex. <laughs> That'll solve it. Problem is we're not having enough sex. That's how men think. Men think of sex like a toolbox, okay, like a wrench. You no, know, What's broken, hmm, maybe some sex will solve that. That's how men think. The woman thinks he's an idiot when he, re- when he suggests that. So she comes up with a different idea which is even more idiotic to be honest. A woman, generally, again, not all the time, but the woman thinks, we're not having chemistry. What would give us chemistry? Oh, I got an idea. We should have a baby. That's a great idea. Y'all hate each other's guts. Let's bring another life into this circle of hate. That's a fantastic idea. Now, the guy hears that idea and thinks what? That'll require sex. That's a great idea. Let's do it. Now you single people are laughing hysterically. What are all the married people doing right now? <laughs> how did you know? You want me to tell you how I knew? Let me tell you how I knew? Let me tell you a little secret. Single people, y'all are gonna enjoy this one. Married people didn't know this. Let me tell you a little secret. As unique as you think your relationship is, you're not that different from everybody else. As unique as you think the love that you have in Relationships, like I'm sorry to say, this is a predictable set of behaviors. Relationships is a lot more science than we think. A always leads to B. And there are billions of people on this planet, billions, throughout the course of history, that have gone through this thing called relationships, and there are patterns that exist. We're all human beings. As unique as we are in some ways, we are so alike in other ways, and relationally, we're not that different. And there is a great, great danger in thinking that I am the exception to the rule, that this doesn't work for anybody else, but it will work for us. And for everybody else, the chemistry was not enough to carry them, but for us, love will keep us alive. There is a great danger in thinking that for me, there's an exception to the rule. And I'm telling you, that's what I'm saying when I sit with people, there's a pattern here. I can tell you by halfway through the story how this is gonna end, that you did this, didn't you know that she would and didn't you know that he would? Because we're not as different as we think we are. Back to our couple, back to our story. Got married, lots of chemistry, things are great, lots of passion, lots of excitement, and they get married, all of a sudden, problems, relational problems, because they don't know how to deal with each other, now the chemistry starts to suffer. He thinks we should have more sex, she thinks we should have a baby, they have sex, they have a baby, she's pregnant, not have a baby yet, she gets pregnant, and now that she's pregnant, something happens. And again, the pattern is very clear. There's statistics on this stuff, so just trust me on this one. In a man's life, There are two or three times in a man's life where he is most vulnerable to having an affair. Anyone want to guess what one of those two or three times is when a man is most vulnerable to having an affair when his wife is pregnant? Now you ladies, you're thinking, scum. (laughs) Scum. (laughs) Dirt, scum. Because here she is, Having a baby to fix the relationship. And there he goes off gallivanting with whoever in the street to the wee hours of the morning. Look, I'm not saying it's right. But again, I'm saying there are patterns there are behaviors here. And there are things that have been from generation to generation to generation. You know what happens with us men? Why this happens when, when, when women get pregnant? Why men are vulnerable to cheating? Because men, ladies. We're gonna talk specifically about men at some point, okay? We'll give them their own session. We'll talk ladies about session two, so don't worry. Men, they're not very complicated. Like I said, their tool belt, that's sex. And we, because we love this toolbox belt so much, that we start to use terms like, I need sex. Like sex is a need of ours, that's what we use. I ain't a scientist, okay? but I'll tell you a little bit about biology and how this stuff works. Sex is not a need. Water, that's a need. Food, that's a need. Shelter, like oxygen, these are needs. Sex is not a need. I know there are people on this planet who have gone their entire lives, entire lives men who haven't had sex. They don't die. They don't, like, go blind as we were taught, okay? Like, lose their vision. They don't get sick. Some of them are very, very healthy people. Sex is not a need. But because we men, we think it's a need, sometimes we make terrible, terrible, terrible decisions based on the stupidity that's in our mind. So here you have this man, not very smart, thinking sex is a need. No chemistry. Now they can't even have sex. Like, the one thing was, there was chemistry, uh, and then when the chemistry went away, at least they could have sex, that'll build it back. But now that she's pregnant, she's not in the mood for sex. And she doesn't want to talk to him, and she kind of, he, he dreads going home. Home is a pain in the butt for him, and he, home is a headache. So he stays at work as late as possible. And guess what happens one night when he stays late at work? He's there, working hard, dreading going home, and he goes to get a cup uh, from the water cooler, and there's a nice young lady there two cubicles down from him. He tells a joke. She laughs at his joke. He's not used to that. (laughs) He says an idea. She says, that's a good idea. He's definitely not used to that. And all of a sudden, he's met the right person. And in his mind, he says, now I know what's wrong with my marriage. My marriage problem is because I married the wrong person, but I just met the right one. And from there, it goes downhill real fast. It doesn't have to be that way. Single people, married people, it doesn't have to be that way. The creator of all relationships is God. And if you believe in God and you believe that God is the creator of all relationships, then you have to listen carefully to what God says a relationship is supposed to look like. Genesis chapter 2 verse 24 and 25 says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. God created marriage. God created male and female. And God created marriage to be just like it says right here. That man and wife join and they are one flesh. That they are no more two, but they are one. And look what describes their oneness together. It says they were naked and they were not ashamed. I'm telling you that it is something that God programmed inside each and every single one of us. It is very natural for us to want to have that intimacy and that closeness with another human being on this planet. It's something from God. Like it's not, a, it's not an unnatural thing. It's a very natural thing. That's why when I say things to you, when you see things in a movie, you see a man love a woman and say to her, you're the most special woman in the world. That inside your heart you yeah. are that you hear that, 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 that Romeo come in and, and, and sweep her off her feet and the hair in the wind and grab her real tight and say, I love you, you suck. <laughs> and men, when you see that woman and you see the strapping man and the woman come and say, you know, I just respect you so much Then I just think the world of you, you're my hero. And you say, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> that's natural. That's natural inside of us, that women want to be the princess, that men want to be the hero, that you desire. I'll tell you this right now. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you stuff, especially single people. You have a desire that one day, let's say you're the wife, you have a desire that one day that you say the following words to your husband, that when I hear the garage door open, my heart races. You have a desire to say that. Men, you have a desire that you would say to your wife one day that when you come in and you see her in the kitchen, and all of a sudden you start to get tingles all over That is a natural desire in each one of us. And I'm telling you that if you feel a desire to be naked and not ashamed, naked not just in a physical way, but in an emotional way, in a spiritual way, full intimacy, fully bonded with another person, that is the signature of God on your soul. That is the signature of God on your soul. God is the one who wrote that in there. Because who is God? Bible says that we were made in the image of God. God is Father, Son, and Spirit, three and one. Trinity, fully bonded, three persons, completely one, united together. And every time that a man and a woman get married, I always say it's the formation of a new Trinity. Three persons, fully bonded in one. God, husband, and wife. And every one of us, because we have inside of us this image of God, this desire to be united, this united together in naked and not ashamed, full intimacy, fully close, Fully bonded, we have that inside of us. We have the image of the Trinity inside of us. That is natural. And we want to unite with God and a person of the opposite sex. And I want you to know that God would not write that in your soul unless it was 100% possible for you. God would not program that, hardwire that into your DNA unless it is 100% possible. Not easy, but possible. Get rid of this idea that marriage is antiquated. Get rid of this idea that marriage is for fuddy-duddies. Get rid of this idea that marriage can never be anything more than a business relationship and just hope for the best. Get rid of this idea. Because that's the garbage that our culture teaches us. And I'm not against culture. Okay, Don't let anyone take this and say we shouldn't watch TV and we should just hide in a cave. I'm not saying it like that. But we have to be discerning enough to know that what is portrayed to us in TV shows and on movies ain't real life. What do you see in TV shows and movies? Tell me the last time, we never see good marriages on TV. Tell me the last time that you saw a TV show or a movie that celebrated a man and a woman happily married, and I'm gonna get to the yucky part here, having sex together. Sex inside marriage is never celebrated. It's usually mocked. It's usually mocked. Again, he's the, the doofus that, can't, that doesn't know his head from his feet, okay? And she don't want to have anything to do with him. It's always mocked and we think of marriage and sex and marriage is a yuck and ugh. Where's the fun sex? It's outside of of marriage. It's risque. It's rendezvous. It's all this garbage and this nonsense. You know why? I'll tell you my personal theory. I think married people, happy marriages, I think it's boring. I think if you made like a reality show about me and my marriage, probably pretty boring. There they are again, happy. <laughs> that ain't fun. We like adventure. But please don't believe that the happy marriage doesn't exist just cause you don't see it on TV. Just cause Hollywood doesn't think it's worth the time and it'll make enough money to sell. Don't think it doesn't exist. Happy marriage is there. Satisfying marriage is there, but we must follow the instructions of the maker of marriage. So with that said, we need now to turn to the scriptures, to the word of God, and we need some marriage advice. Let me ask you a question. If I wanted to open the Bible and find a passage that talked about how to find the right person, where would you look? How much advice does the Bible give on how to find the right person? I couldn't find any. The Bible doesn't give any advice about how to find the right person. So does that mean the Bible doesn't care, like has nothing to do with marriage and and dating and things like that because it doesn't tell us how to find the right person. But you know what? Maybe if we change our framework, not necessarily from finding the right person, but maybe if we looked at it and how to become the right person, then maybe the pages of scripture would light up. And I think they would. That's why I'm going to give you my second profound statement for today because I'm on a roll. Are you the person, the person you're looking for is looking for that's deep stuff. Look, I'm not often very deep, but this, this is gold right here, okay? And, and the reason that I'm trying to give you confusing statements is to make myself feel smarter and sound smarter because the more confusing, usually the more deep that it sounds. Are you the person that the person you're looking for is looking for? Because every one of us is looking for a person, and that person is also looking for a person. So are you the person that the person you're looking for is looking for? This series is based on a book by a pastor in Georgia named Andy Stanley, who also did a sermon series on the subject called The New Rules of Love, Sex, and Dating. And in that book, he tells a story. And the story is about a young girl, okay, who grew up in church, whole life spent in church, you know, youth group, Sunday school, did everything right, all all the way through. Eventually, she gets to college. And when she gets to college, as many of us do when we get to college, started living the college life. And she's, you know, let down her hair a little bit, so to speak. You know, and she didn't, like, deny her faith. But she started the dating scene, the party scene. And she started going past some of the boundaries that she had kept for so long. Again, not, not a very dissimilar story from, from, like, it's your common, average, everyday story. She eventually graduates college. She moves back home. She's working. And she still, like, believes and she's a Christian. But she's living the life, if you know what I'm trying to say. One day, while living this life, she's at a party, and she meets this guy, and in her own words, he is the total package. He's got the looks, he's got the job, he's got the personality, like he is the real deal. And on top of that, he's a Christian, a strong Christian, like a believing Christian that his faith affects his day-to-day decisions, including his dating. And he doesn't do certain stuff in dating, doesn't do certain certain stuff with girls because his faith is that real in his life. This is everything she's ever wanted. And she is on cloud nine and she's just met this guy and she's just in heaven and there seemed to be a kind of, you know, a chemistry with him and she's just in cloud nine. She skips all the way home. She gets home and she sees her mom. And she tells her mom about this guy. And this guy's this, and he's this, and he goes to church, and he doesn't do this, and he doesn't drink, and he, he he's the best. And her mother looked at her. And her mother said, as difficult as it was to say, said to the girl, like her name, a guy like that isn't looking for a girl like you. Yeah, ouch. And the girl fell to the floor in tears because she knew her mom was 100% right that the person she was looking for that person wasn't looking for her you know single people you know what you're looking for you know what you want you know the values the person that you wanna spend the rest of your life with. You know, you can draw that picture. Well, my question to you, and I say this in all seriousness and with all my heart of love, like with nothing other than love for you, are you the person that the person you're looking for is looking for? And if not, how do you expect him to notice you or her to notice you? You think it's just gonna be magic? You think it's gonna show up and the person of your dreams is gonna sweep you off your feet? He may not even notice you. I want to close with some advice. And that advice is based on the question, what is love? What is love? Okay, everyone wants to know what is love? What is love? What is love? Well, I, I got news for you. You don't need to, to turn to the radio radio. Okay, I I want to know what love is. Okay, you don't need to turn to the radio or the internet to tell you what love is because the scriptures are very clear about what love is, and there's an entire chapter of the Bible dedicated to telling you exactly, in very plain detail, like nothing mystical, nothing that you have to interpret, very practical, that love is A, B, C, D, and it goes through a list. And I'm going to show you seven of those things of what love is. 1 Corinthians 13, maybe you've you've read the chapter before. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us very practically what love is. And I want to challenge you as we go through this list. I'm going to go through it quickly, but I'm going to challenge you to memorize the list, and more importantly, to practice this list. And I'm gonna challenge you, as we go through here, that these love skills, okay, this is my, like my Father Anthony's sweet love skills, okay? My sweet love skills for you. That these love skills, that you start to practice these in every interaction and relationship in life. That you don't just wait and say, one day I'm gonna meet the right person and then I'm going to be a loving person in A, B, C, and D. Don't do that, that doesn't work. I'm challenging you that as we go through this list, and we're gonna memorize this list, that you're going to say, I'm going to start practicing these things, practicing these things, practicing these things, so when I meet the right person, and I meet him at the party, and then I go to tell my mom, I met the right person, then that person is telling his mom the same thing, that I'm exactly what that person is looking for. Seven things, i we're gonna go through them quickly. First, actually we're gonna do this a little quick, we're gonna go through three at a time, okay, because just for the sake of time. Love is patient. Love is kind, love does not envy. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy. Can we say that together? Say it with me. Say, love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy. You've already memorized half of it. It is Shakespeare? It's St. Paul. (laughs) But Shakespeare ripped off St. Paul probably. Love is patient means what? It means love never pressures. Love never pressures. Love knows that you are more important than it. So if you're in a relationship with someone who thinks it, no matter what it is, no matter whatever it is, that it is more important than you, that person is not patient. Love is patient. Love never pressures. Love is willing to wait. Love wants the other person to feel comfortable, not just himself, to have it, whatever it may be. Love is kind. Y'all know what kind means? Let me give you another word for kind. Love is considerate. Means that before love acts, love says to itself, how will the other person feel if I say this, or if I do this, or if I even think this? Love considers the other person. Love does not envy. Y'all know what does not envy is? Does not envy is maybe a little bit confusing one, but I think it's super important. Does not envy. Like, I'll be honest, you grew up in a home. Let's say your parents, maybe your parents divorced, or maybe they just lived together and had a bad marriage. I bet you 50% of the people who would say that, love does not envy is the reason why. Love does not envy. (coughs) Envy means this. Envy means I don't feel good about me, so I'm not going to let you feel good about you. I don't like something about me, so therefore, I'm going to make sure that I drag you down to the pit of how I feel all the time. And a lot of us, parents, like I said, you can see it with your parents. Married, supposedly happy, but he just can't take it that she gets more attention than him. That everyone likes her and she's more popular and more people want to talk to her than him. So he feels bad about himself and he brings her down as well. She can't take it that everywhere she goes, everyone says, your husband is so great and your husband is the best and he's so smart. And she just says, you want me to tell you how much of an idiot he is? And I'm telling you, I'm saying, I stopped here at this one for a reason. Single people, listen carefully to me, that a lot of you, this is going to be your downfall if you don't allow God to fix it. If you don't allow God, because either because of the way we were raised, whatever, whatever reason, doesn't, doesn't matter the reason. If you don't allow God to fix this, this is gonna ruin your marriage. If you can't allow someone else to have the spotlight, if you gotta always be in the spotlight, they can't have spotlight. If you feel bad about yourself, so you wanna make sure that person feels bad about themselves. If you all, I'll tell you one way that you know this, again, because I talk to a lot of people, I kinda listen for these things. You know there's always people who have to one-up you. Like, I told a story about my vacation, you have to tell me a better story about your vacation. Like, I told you I did this at work, you gotta one-up that. You know that? That's envy. That's I don't feel good about myself, so I gotta make sure that you don't feel that good about yourself. What are our first three? Say it with me. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Next three. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. (coughs) Love does not boast, meaning it's not all about me. It's not all about me. That I'm not here to tell you how great I am. I'm here to listen and see how great you are. Love is not proud. Love does not, for example, I'll tell you how proud. Love is willing to say I am sorry or wrong is what I was going to say. Love is willing to admit I was wrong. I made a mistake. And a lot of us, we're in relationship with somebody now who will never admit they're wrong. It's always your wrong. It's always everybody else's wrong. It's never their wrong. I'm telling you, that ain't love. And then love does not dishonor other translations of the Bible for does not dishonor, says does not behave disgracefully or indecently. You know what love does not dishonor means? Means that love, true love, is never creates a regret moment. You know what a regret moment is? That's like I said, the person who meets me in the middle of the street and say, I met this person and we, and unfortunately, and I regret, love never creates regret moments. Love never behaves disgracefully, never dishonors. Now, let's pause right here for a second before we get to the last one. You may be thinking to yourself, especially you single people. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not envy, love does not boast, love is not proud, love does not dishonor. That sounds like the worst date ever. That doesn't sound like any fun. Like I thought the whole point, like I thought like maybe we won't admit this, like let's be honest, some of us won't admit it, I thought the point of dating was to behave indecently. Like that's why I'm dating. I thought the whole point of it was to, to not just, I'm patient and take your time and hold the door for you and hold the door for you. Like, are we in church? Or are we dating? I thought the whole point of dating was to have fun. Look, if that's how you are thinking, I, I promise in front of God, I'm not judging you. I'm not telling you you're a bad person. I'm telling you stay away from my daughter, but I'm not telling you that you're a bad person. I honestly, with all my heart, I love you and I care about you and I want you to know that so many times in life, especially in this marriage and dating area, that what serves you today will destroy you tomorrow. That what serves you today will destroy you tomorrow because your present today, how you behave in dating will one day be your past and you think you're gonna leave it in the past, but I'm telling you, your past will follow you into your marriage and will impact the rest of your future. And if you don't believe me, let me ask you this. Look at this list right here. For those who, like I said, grew up in families where their parents had messed up marriages or divorced, let me ask you this question. You think things would have been different if there was more patience at home? You think things would have been different if dad was a little kinder, was a little more considerate? You think that would have made a difference in your parents' marriage? You think it would have been different if your mom was able to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong? Would that have made a difference in your, mar- in your parents' marriage? That's why I'm telling you single people, y'all got it made because you get to get this right from the start. You get to know this from the start. And you get to go in knowing what we're talking about right here. Last one on the list, okay, which kind of summarizes them all. Love is not self-seeking. Love is not self-seeking. Now, for this one, I just want to say this. Self-seeking. The most natural state of man is to be self-seeking. That's the most natural state, is to care about myself. Self-seeking, if you say, I will not be self-seeking, I am telling you, I am telling you, you cannot wait till you get to marriage to start being not self-seeking. And if you hope to one day be not self-seeking, then you need to start to practice it today. Because not being self-seeking, just like all this list, being kind, being patient, and not caring about myself, that is not natural. What is natural? What is natural is chemistry. Is hey, baby, give me some of that. That's natural. And just so you know, okay, we're gonna have an entire week on chemistry. We're gonna have an entire week talk about sex and sexuality and all. So we're gonna, like, I'm saving all that stuff. That's gonna be the fun stuff. That's week four. You don't wanna miss week four, okay? Talk about fun stuff that week, but. Here's what I wanna say, last thing I wanna say about chemistry. Last little myth I'll debunk for you today in case you didn't know. That chemistry that you feel for that person, like we dated since high school, we were, you know, we met on spring break, like whatever chemistry we had, that chemistry, I'm sorry to fill you in, you can feel that way about a thousand different people. And I can say that safely because my wife is not here today. But the bottom line is, it's the truth. You can have chemistry with somebody you met for just 10 minutes. You can have chemistry with someone who doesn't even speak the same language as you. You can have chemistry with a girl that you just met on the beach last night. Like you can have chemistry anytime with anybody. Like chemistry is not what we base a marriage on. And if you have this in your mind that we have no relational skills, we have nothing in common, but we got chemistry. And that chemistry is gonna see us through Man, and nothing I can do for you after that. The end of 1 Corinthians 13 says this. St. Paul ends the passage on love. By the way, I didn't bring you the whole passage. Like there's a lot more characteristics of love, but I just chose seven. Hopefully easy to memorize. The passage ends like this. It says, When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. You say, that's a strange passage. What does that have to do with anything? When I was a child, I talked like a child. Logic. Goo goo, gaga, whatever it is that you said. I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. Okay, that's because you were a child. But when I became a man, I put those childhood ways away from me. Let me ask you this. Children's stories, fairy tales, how do they all end? Every children's story is the same. Every children's story is the same. You have a good guy, you got a bad guy, and a damsel in distress. And the good guy tries to save the, bad, or tries to save the damsel from the bad guy. And there's whatever obstacles in front of it. And it's, and it's you know, the dragon. Or, you know, that he has to, to travel a far way. Or even forget about the bad guy. It's the overbearing dad who's too protective of the little mermaid and won't let her swim to shore. Like, whatever it is. And it's always a guy and a girl. And it's always a matter of if we can just get them together, then they will live happily ever after. No relationship. Just if we get the two right people together, Dragon away, father away, everyone away. Just get the two people together and everything will magically work out. Some of us, we're approaching dating that way. And what St. Paul is telling us here is that's children's stuff. That's fairy tales. Like that's Disney. That's how Disney is the richest place in the world because that's what Disney sells. But that ain't reality. My question to you, have you put away the ways of childhood? Are you still living the childhood fairy tale? That if I married people, that if I had just married the right person, that everything would be okay. That all the problems because I didn't marry the right person. I found the wrong prince. I found the frog. I I had a prince and he turned into a frog. It's supposed to be the other way. (laughs) That's fairy tale. Single people. You don't think you need to work on yourself. You just need to find the right person and magically all of your flaws, which you've had for years, will disappear when you meet the right person. That ain't real. That's fairy tale stuff. What's real? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love does not behave... Uh... Dishonor others. I have it right here, but I'm trying to go here. And love is not self-seeking. You know why? I memor- you know why? At the beginning of our marriage, me and Marianne memorized that entire chapter, okay? And, and honestly, but this is like, it's in a different order. Like I just made it, I just got you seven. We memorized that entire chapter and it was, it was divine inspiration. I don't even know why we did it, but we decided we're gonna memorize that passage together because we said, if we want to love each other, let's see how the Bible tells us to love each other. And that was the first passage we ever memorized together. And I'm telling you, that's real life. Can we say it all together? Say it all together. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. Love does not dishonor others. And love is not self-seeking. I know that list of seven things, that is what you are looking for. And I'm telling you, if that's what you are looking for, then it's time to start working on becoming it. Because only a fool only a fool thinks that finding the right person will turn them into the right person. I'll leave you all with this from our Lord Jesus Christ himself said this about, ma- about marriage, Matthew 19. He said, have, not, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore God has joined together. Let not man separate. This is my prayer for every one of you. This is what we're going to talk about for the next five weeks, is how to achieve this. And I'm telling you, it will not be easy, but if we stick to the instructions that God has given to us, then we will find this, which God has promised to us. Let's stand together for a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you for the gift of marriage that you have given to us, that you've given us like a piece of yourself, a piece of your image, a piece of being like the Trinity here on this earth. I pray, Lord, for every single person here who's yearning to have that relationship and feels like there's no hope for it and there's nothing but bad relationships and there's nothing but, but hopeless future. I pray, Lord, that you would elevate our minds to see the great thing that you have in store for us for those who have already married, Lord, that you'd elevate their minds, show them that great gift that you have for them and how you have something great in store for them when we just all submit to your instructions, the great things that you can do. And for those who are single and looking, Lord, I pray that you would guide them not to always be focusing on finding the right person, but you'd help us to to focus on becoming the right person. And that through doing that, that you'll guide us to the person that you know would not only make us happy, but make us holy and bring us closer to you. I pray for everyone who's struggling with relationships during this time, that you just encourage and support us and you restore our faith in this great sacrament and mystery of marriage that you've given to us. I ask these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, with the prayers of all your saints. Here says we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.